Well, like Brad said, my name is Tim Griesbach, to be precise, uh, and I get to be one of our pastors here at Crossroads Church. Such an incredible delight and such a joy to get to lead us in meeting with God through his word this weekend. Uh, you are joining us as we are in season three of our series, Going Through the Book of Luke. Luke has got a lot of chapters, and a lot of them are long chapters, so many beautiful stories of Jesus interacting with people, of Jesus teaching incredible things, of Jesus eventually going to the cross and then rising from the dead. And so we're taking it kind of slow. I don't even know how many seasons total it's going to take us to get through it, but we've kind of been putting other things in between here and there. But this week, we get to interact with this man, this Jesus of Nazareth in Luke chapter 8, as he interacts with two specific individuals. But for these individuals, their story started way before this day that they encountered Jesus. Their stories really started 12 years before that. See, our two main characters that we get to look at this weekend are Jairus, who is a leader within the synagogue, Twelve years ago from this day, he had an incredible experience. He and his wife had a baby. It was a baby girl, and there, for the first time, he held this little child in his arms, and he thought, wow, what an incredible experience is this. Just imagine the hopes and the dreams that he must have had for this little girl. What would she be like as she grew up? What kinds of things would she love to do? Would she be a singer or would she be some other kind of artist? Or, or like, what, what, what would she really love in life? What things would she struggle with, right? Where she needs mom and dad to help. And would she get married to someone? Maybe she would have some kids. That means that Jair Jairus would have grandkids. And, you know, like all of those hopes and dreams started 12 years before this day. As he's holding this little baby girl for the first time. Thinking, Wow. The future just feels limitless. But in the same city, in a different part of town, the story was a little bit different for a woman. We don't even get her name. We just see here that about 12 years before this encounter with Jesus, she realized that something wasn't right. There was something going on in her body. It was broken. And this brokenness wasn't going away. And it was keeping her from being able to interact with the people in her life and keeping her from being able to go to the synagogue and, and learn and worship with the rest of the Jews. And the thing that these two different people have in common is that one day they encounter Jesus. Now up to this point, we've seen that Jesus has done incredible things. Miracles that you're just like, wow, this is just stunning. Healings. And then we've heard him teach things that we think like, how, how does someone, this, it would make the people think maybe this isn't just a guy. Maybe there's something more going on here. Could this be the Messiah? Could be, this be the Savior that was promised to bring restoration to all of creation, to bring healing Let's turn to Luke chapter 8 together and see what happens as these two people interact with Jesus. Starting in verse 40, it says, Now when Jesus returned 
the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. These people, both of these individuals came from very different backgrounds. Right? We see here that Jairus is probably very well respected. He's a ruler within the synagogue. As he shows up and falls before Jesus' feet, the people probably recognize him. They go, oh, there's that guy. We like that guy. We know his family. We know his daughter. Oh, man, I wonder what Jesus is going to do, they probably thought. Of course, Jesus is going to heal her, right? Like, of any of the people here to make a request, like, you should honor his request. This is the one, Jairus. But on the other hand, you've got this woman who as a result of her medical condition would have been considered ceremonially unclean indefinitely until the situation would have gotten resolved. Which is like, on one level, a chronic illness, and on a deeper level, this weird thing that kind of gets in your way to interact with the the worship of your God, and on another level, it, it eventually just kind of creates this distance between you and others relationally. These two people are about to interact with Jesus and experience him in a powerful way. And I really want to focus in on the woman for just a few minutes because I think some of us can probably relate to some of what she had experienced. That she had these, this, this illness for so long that eventually people would have started treating her a little bit differently. If you've had any kind of chronic illness or, or someone that you love has had a chronic illness in your life, surely you've noticed this. If you know me and my story at all, um, you know that my beautiful, brilliant, stinking awesome wife, Christy Griesbach, has struggled with some physical illness for lots of years. I mean, there were symptoms and stuff even before we got together some, well, it was 11 years this last week that we've been married. <laughs> which is super excited. We got to celebrate it at the Springs. Yeah, woo, 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 woo. But like even before then, she's dealt with some physical stuff and it's been really challenging and, and confusing and scary. There's, we've gone to doctors and gotten tests and the doctors come back and say, yeah, we don't really know what's wrong. And she goes, I don't, I mean, I know that something's wrong. I'm fatigued. I don't, I don't have the focus that I normally would have. I'm, I'm, something is clearly wrong. And so, you know, looking for different doctors and looking for different doctors. Finally, by the grace of God, I believe, we were able to find this great doctor out in Longmont. And so we're interacting with him. And, and I remember sitting in a, a meeting with him and Christy, and he's telling us, like, you know, showing us graphs and diagrams saying, okay, like, well, this is like her spine, and, and it's not actually straight, and this is going to cause problems like this. And then, and then he, he used the phrase... Um, Stage two kidney disease. And I remember Christy and I just kind of looked at each other like, what? That sounds awfully serious. I don't actually know anything about that, but I know you want your kidneys. 
And as we went through the process, and they're still kind of in the process of like seeking out, like, what does it mean for her to experience physical healing? Like, it's been hard for me to watch at times how this has become at times, not often for herself, but very often in the eyes of other people, kind of the identifying mark for her. Like I'll watch people within church world or other friends kind of interact with their family members and, they'll, and it's always the same question, right? It's, it's how are you doing? But it's not the kind of how are you doing that you might ask me like, hey, how's it going? It's like, so how are you doing? And there's almost like an, a question underneath the question, right? Like it's, it's, are you better yet? Have you gotten better yet? Have you recovered? How's that process going? And it's always motivated from a good place. But when it comes to developing relationships, identity markers like that are really not very helpful. Now I watch as Christie's kind of like, man, I, I just I want to have some friends that kind of just want to talk to me and about other things <laughs> than just this one identifying issue in my life. And so I, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for the woman in this story because I can only imagine 12 years we have a tendency when we read these kind of stories to just fly through it, right? We, we have a tendency to just kind of blip, 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 skip down to the next verses because it's easy, it's fast, it's all right there. It all happened in the past 2,000 years ago. Don't have to pause. We definitely don't have to go through that 12 years with her. And I can just imagine that after 12 years, most of her friends had probably distance themselves to some degree. I mean, I can't touch you anymore. Like, I'll, 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 I'll become unclean. I can't, I, I, then I'm not able to go to the synagogue and worship. And so it's within that moment that we find her as Jesus with the crowd and Jairus are making their way down the street. Now, in my mind, I picture it like she's up in this room in an upstairs little area. I mean, it says that she spent all of her money, right? But she's still probably living somewhere. And so she's just, she's just looking out and she sees this crowd and she's probably thinking, like, what's going on there? And looks down and, and realizes this is Jesus. And all of a sudden she sees an opportunity like, maybe I can be healed too. <laughs> Right? Maybe I could experience some of this healing. I've heard about the stories of this guy. He goes around and blind people suddenly see. And people who couldn't walk suddenly walk. And people who can't speak suddenly speak. Like, maybe he can heal me. Maybe he can restore me. So I imagine she, she goes out and she looks at the crowd and she's trying to figure out, like, okay, how do I do this? Like, I'm not supposed to touch people. I'm, not, I'm supposed to stay away. Like distance, I have to, they can't, if they recognize me, they'll just like chase me off like that. They won't, and can I even touch Jesus? Is that allowed? Like, would that make him unclean? This is what we find her in verse 44. It says, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? <laughs> when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. 
This is an incredible moment as, as the woman kind of sneaks her way through the crowd, right? If I can just touch, like I'm sure she thought of herself, like first, maybe if I, maybe if I call out his name. Hey, Jesus, because I've heard that that worked. <laughs> hey, King of David, have mercy on me. No, that's too much attention. <laughs> like, I got to do it like a ninja. Like, I got to sneak my way in here somehow. Maybe if I put my hand on his hand, or, or maybe if I just touch just the edge of his cloak, maybe that's enough. And, and she does, and she's healed, and then to her horror, he stops. Can you imagine that moment? Like, Jesus is walking with the crowd. She sneaks in. She's like, I think I'm going to get it. She touches. Oh, my gosh, I've just been healed. Like, what is this? This is incredible. And then she realizes he, he's not walking anymore. <laughs> he stopped. What did he just say? He's asking who touched him. And you know what happens in a crowd if someone goes, who just touched me? Right? Everyone is like, not me. Like, I didn't touch you, Jesus. Everybody, there's like a three-foot circle around Jesus at that point. They didn't know about COVID yet. Otherwise, they would have made six feet. It's fine. But there's a three-feet. It's like people backed off like, I'm not, I didn't touch you. What are you talking? I didn't know. Why would I have touched you? That's rude. And Peter eventually is the one who's like, come on. Jesus, everybody's been touching you. We're like crammed in this street together. And Jesus is like, no, nah, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, someone touched me. Someone got healed. And you can almost picture Jesus looking around this crowd and making eye contact with the woman. And suddenly she realizes there's nowhere to hide. Everyone's going to know what just happened. How's that going to go? Last time she interacted with people, when was the last time she touched someone? And on top of that, you've got this frantic dad, Jairus, who is like, okay, I got Jesus. Like my wife said, my wife said, if you just get Jesus, and she's right, she's always right, so I got Jesus, and I'm bringing Jesus to the house, and then he turns back, right, because he's probably like 10 feet out in front of everybody, you know, he turns back and they're stopped. He's like, what are you doing? What's going on? No, 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 no. And so he goes back and he's probably frantic like, hello, um, my daughter is dying. Hey, can we remember what we were about to do? We were about to go and uh, heal my daughter because she's my only daughter and she's about to die. Like, can we do something about my daughter, please? And with all of this tension happening, we pick it up in verse 47. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. What are they going to say? For 12 years, it's been the same thing, right? It's like, oh, you got to go back home. Let us know when you find a doctor that did something. <laughs> and you've got Jairus over here screaming over and over, my daughter, please, please, we've got to go. We've got to get to my daughter. And the crowd's probably getting a little anxious too because they're like, wait a second, we know who you are. What did you just do? Did you just touch? You just touched, you just touched Jesus. Again, what, what does that even mean? Is this okay? <sighs> We're supposed to go and heal Jairus' daughter. And what does Jesus say to her in this moment? Verse 48. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. 
Go in peace. What did he call her? He called her daughter. Jesus doesn't call anyone else daughter. Even his own mom he calls woman, which I'm not about to try that, right? Like that's going to get you in some trouble. You don't call some lady woman. doesn't matter who, right? Like Jesus will call people woman. Sometimes call them by the first name, but not this woman. In this moment, he knows that not all of the healing has happened yet. While her body has been physically healed, there's still some relational healing that can be done. And as they are, as a crowd moving to bring healing to this other daughter, he brings additional healing to her by calling her daughter. See, our Jesus isn't just concerned with one or two or three or four kinds of healing. Our Jesus is concerned with holistic, big picture, complete, 100% healing. I love this moment, and I hate how fast we tend to read past it. That the Savior looks at this woman and says, in, he says, daughter, and in doing so, elevated her back up into a position of being in the community. More than that, being family. Hmm. But the story is not done there. Verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear. Only believe and she will be well. I love this about Jesus too. Jairus gets some bad news. Right? In his mind, the worst possible news he could receive. Your daughter's dead. It's too late. Missed the opportunity. It's gone. It's past. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. But before Jairus can even like respond, before he can start to like give strength to all of those doubts, Jesus just intervenes. And he says, oh, no, no, no. Don't worry about that. I'm Jesus. You just believe. This is going to be great. Verse 51, And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. And by the end of that day, not one, but two daughters had been healed. Beautifully and powerfully by Jesus the Son of God. And so what does this story from 2,000 years ago have to do with us today? Right? I mean, it can be a little inspiring, 
I know when I read it on some level, I have a desire to just be more compassionate, but that can't just be it, right? What does it have to do with us today? I think on a real level, every single one of us is in need of some sort of healing. Because I think every single one of us has various degrees of brokenness within us. Some of this brokenness is like a brokenness of heart. Like I know in this season, there's probably a lot of us that have just experienced despair, hopelessness, depression, right? Like we're just weighed down. It just feels like we're totally emptied and pressed down. We got nothing left. Like we're broken in that way. And for other people, it's a brokenness of our bodies. Like we go, I'm sick. For some of us, it's years of carrying sickness, and trying to deal with it and cope with it and, and all the different ways that that affects our, our mind, all the ways that it affects our interaction with the people around us. And then lastly, there's probably some of us that are broken in terms of our relationships, right? Where there's, there's people that we used to be close to, family members or friends, and, and we've allowed stuff to get in the way and to separate us in unhelpful kind of unreasonable ways. And, and we see that there's this brokenness. So for all of us today, I think all of us need at least some degree of healing. And so my question for you is, where are you going to find healing? The world will tell you a whole bunch of different places to go. There's a whole myriad of options when you're trying to find healing in this world. You can go to doctors and you can go to psychologists and you can go to the media and to magazines. You can go to all kinds of different avenues to try to find it. You can also self-medicate, right? Although we know that that almost always ends up in this self-destructive type of tendency and lifestyle. Alcohol and drugs and pornography are the classic examples, but there are other ways of self-medicating that are hurtful. Sometimes we just try to get by by distracting ourselves. We'll turn on another episode of The Good Place or something, right? Just something to get us to the next day so that we have spent a few hours less thinking about our brokenness. But I want to invite you today to take your brokenness to Jesus with the same level of desperation as these two people, as the woman and as Jairus. In their world, they recognized there is no one else that could possibly bring healing into their situation. And so I want to invite you to not just go anywhere for healing, but to go to Jesus for healing. And as you're looking at, like, what does that look like? What is a first step to, to trying to approach Jesus with my healing? I mean, like, there's, what if I barely even know Jesus? Like, how do, I, how do I even approach him? I want to make it really simple for you. I want to invite you this week to find someone in your life that you trust, some close friend that you trust, and have a conversation with them about what healing might look like for you. Have that conversation, whether over some food or coffee or tea or whatever, and begin to talk together about what does it mean to go to Jesus, to find that healing? Like, what areas of your life are in need of him intervening and bringing his healing power? Because what I see in this passage is that he loves to bring healing to people. He's not stopped even when it comes to death. And we know 
we know that I'm not so foolish as to think like, oh, you got to do is believe really hard and then you'll, you'll get done with every, whatever your problem is, right? Whatever your healing is. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I, I absolutely know that Jesus sometimes will withhold healing for a season, right? I know this. And I also at the same time know that God didn't withhold his own son, but gave him up for us all. And so as a result of that, like, what good thing is he going to withhold from us? If God gave us Jesus, the treasure to have in all of the universe, like, it's not like he's going to give us Jesus and then withhold all these other little good things. So I can know for me, like, okay, Jesus, says, I'm coming to you for healing. Like, I'm coming to you with a humble heart. I'm coming to you saying, I, I need to be healed. And whenever you want, because I know that if it's not at this moment that you are not being cruel, but that you have good plans for me. That this isn't just an accident. You're not being capricious in your miracles or lack of miracles. That you are intentional. And that you are bringing me into something. And so, Lord, use this season for whatever it is that you've got planned. But know that my heart and my hope is set on you. That I'm not going to go anywhere else for my healing. That it's just going to be to you for my healing that we go to him with that kind of an attitude. And knowing and remembering that if we're in Christ, we come not as strangers, not as outcasts, not as enemies, but as little kids, as sons and as daughters. We come before the king and we say, please? We lift up our hands to him, right? Like a little kid does with, with their parents. We say, please? And looks us and he say, oh, my son, oh, my daughter. And maybe as I'm saying this, you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't even know that I am a son or daughter of God. Like, like if you just mean am I human, like, sure, I guess I'm a human. But like, this sounds different. And it is different to be a son or a daughter of God. It means to be saved in Christ. It means to be adopted into the family by means of Christ. It means recognizing that you are broken and that part of that brokenness involves working against God's plans, against his desires, against his intentions. But it also means recognizing that he did something to bridge that gap. That when we couldn't possibly fix our own situation, when we couldn't bring about healing in ourselves, He did the unthinkable. He took on human flesh. Jesus Christ, Son of God, came, lived, and died on the cross in order that we might be saved and then raised to life again to prove it was real. It means putting your trust in that truth in that reality and receiving the forgiveness that God has for you in his son. And so whether it's for the first time that you want to do that or, or you just want to remember this for like the 10 millionth time, I want to close in prayer and, and invite you into remembering the significance that we are his sons, that we are his daughters and that he loves us, that he, he really, really loves us. He really wants to bring healing into our lives. He's, he's right there. It's like we can almost see him out the window. 
like he's walking by. The opportunity is now to just take hold of him in faith. So, Father, we do pray that you would help us. If we are already yours, will you help us to remember that? Help us to remember the significance of being your son or your daughter. To know that we can come to you. To know that you don't get tired of hearing us come to you. Knowing that you are for us, that you love us, and that you are able to heal. Lord, would you help us to remember? Would you help us to come to you? Lord, and I pray for those who don't yet know you but want to know you. Lord, will you speak to them right now? With your very spirit in their hearts, will you speak to them? Will you call out to them? Will you awaken them? Will you open their eyes to see you for who you really are? Will you let them put faith and trust in you to believe that it's true? that we have forgiveness through the blood shed of Jesus and new life alongside his new life. Lord, would you do it and call them to become your sons and your daughters? Lord, we're desperate for you to do this work. Oh, and we're so thankful that we know that you are the kind of God who delights to bring healing. So bring it, Father. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.